You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. another episode of Black Hair in the Big Leagues. I'm your host, Alicia Thomas, and I'm so happy because my guest this morning is just a truly just a beautiful, she is so beautiful from the inside out. And just thinking about her, I'm seeing her on my screen right now. It brings me so much freaking joy, y'all. She's a producer, a director, an artist educator. She's in residence at the New, jo- New Jersey Performing Arts Center and an artist in residence at Paper Mill Playhouse. In 2015, she co-founded uh, the Vanguard Theater Company. And within that theater company, there's a mentorship program, which is how I met her. It is freaking amazing. She literally gets a whole gaggle of Broadway performers and and pairs them up with her students one-on-one. And it is a mentorship program that I definitely wish I had growing up. Y'all, from the Broadway production of You're in Town, help me welcome Janice Freeman Clark. What is up, girl? Hello, hello, how are you? I'm good, how are you doing? You know what? I think we're all doing, right? We're all doing the best we can these days. And so, uh, you know, every morning I wake up, I thank the Lord for another day. It's not promised. Uh, We know that more these days than ever. And so um, I'm thankful to be present, uh, to be doing the work. I am so happy to hear your voice and happy to hear that and happy to see you. You look fantastic. And I, you, you mentioned that we should talk about this. And I think it is important because it is such a real thing. We rescheduled a couple times before we got to today. And what, like one of the reasons why you said you're like, girl, please forgive me. But what did you say to me? I said I had I, I didn't set my hair. See, at first I wasn't sure if everything was like audio or if it was audio and visual. Right. And there was a possible video component. I said, we're going to have to take a pause. It's a real thing. It's a real, real, real thing. Um, I hadn't set my hair yet. Generally speaking, I set my hair about once a week, sometimes every other week. And so I think when we were going to meet, we were at that every other week. So I couldn't even fake it. You know what I mean? Like, yes, I was looking a little crazy. So I was like, you know, we're going to have. I can't imagine you looking crazy because you're always put together. You are always put together. That is so sweet of you to say. I don't always feel that way, but but I love hearing you say that. So thank you. <laughs> you're you're so welcome. And I would like to know, like, well, I mean, I was going to get into this later, but we, you just talked about it now. Like, can you? What does that mean for you? Like setting, setting your hair. What is that process? What are you doing? Yeah. So I've always had, well, not always, but there's a big period of my life where I've had a curly hair look like I have now. Um, I'm not a huge fan of my natural curl pattern. Like I'm not one of these girls who can take a shower and put on some gel or some, you know, um, right. Wave pudding or something and go. 
because it's like, you know, it just all shriveled up and I look a little bit crazy. And so I have always done some kind of setting pattern for many years. I did what's called a straw set. Have you heard of a straw set? No. Wait, I'm like thinking, have I? No. It is exactly as it sounds where I would, for years I did this. I would take drinking straws and I would take a little portion of my hair. I put gel on it. I'd wrap it around a drink. Like, let's act like my finger is a drinking straw, right? I'd wrap it around the drinking straw with gel. And then I would let it set. Um, Kind of like if you did finger curls all over your head, except you you get to keep your fingers and you let it set like like curlers. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And I would, I had one of those big dryers and I would sit under the dryer. It would take me a couple hours to get my whole, all of my hair in straws. And then I would sit under the dryer with all these straws sticking out. I kind of look like an alien. Uh, (laughs) And I'd sit under the dryer for about an hour. Then I'd take each straw out very carefully. And then I would take each curl and I would separate it a few times. So I did that for years. The curl. You take the straw out carefully so to eliminate frizz. Exactly. Just in case anybody's listening and is like, let me try this. Okay. Take it out and carefully. Then take each each curl and separate it a couple of times. Now, this whole process took about five hours. Oh, my and God. I was so dedicated. I was so dedicated for years until I had children. And no right. one has time. Shoot. No one has time. First of all, I didn't have time, in it, but I didn't have time when I had children. So then I was like, I need a new way of doing this whole thing. So um, so now all I do is I take a gel, like a non-flaky gel, and I put it in a section of my hair and I braid it. And so I'll have, let's say, 12 braids in my hair. And then I sleep with it. And then I wake up in the morning. I take the braids apart. And then similar to with the straws, I separate the hair a little bit more to give it more body. So... That is my new process, which takes much fewer hours. <laughs> how, mu- how long does it take for you? You know, I it takes me about an hour to braid it up, and okay. then it dries overnight. And so it probably takes me a good 30 minutes to just kind of – no, I don't do that every night. Again, I do this like once a week, maybe once every other Got week. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is so – this is – how many children do you have now? I have two children. Um, I have a daughter, Jada, who just turned 12. Oh. She just turned 12. And she turned so, – so here's my story about Jada. For years, like I said, I would wear, you know, the straw set. And it was really cute. And then I reached a point where I was like, you know what? I want straight hair because I had never really experienced that. Um, really? I'll tell you that story later about – how my mother scarred me growing up about my hair, but I really just wanted straight hair for a minute. Like I just want to see what that feels like. So I had this friend who definitely had really coarse hair, but one day she came into work and she was flipping. Oh, and I was like, <laughs> moving like you're a Barbie doll. Like how does that happen? She said, "Girl, I get a Dominican blowout." I said, "A Dominican blowout? See, I hadn't heard of the Dominican blowout." Okay. I heard that. Okay. So I went 
Jersey or New York? Or are you in Michigan? I am in Jersey, and this was all happening in Jersey. This Dominican I went to East Newark and got North Newark and got a Dominican blouse. And there was a very specific person she sent me to. First of all, I had never experienced so much heat on my hair. Ah, shoot, man. Oh, it's so, I mean, I was constantly being burned. I was like, oh my goodness, this cannot be healthy for my hair. But, but I bet you walked out. And it's about a minute. First time in my life that my hair was ever flipping like that, right? You said, look, I'm not gonna lie. I was feeling myself. I was really feeling myself. It was it was nice and long, like kind of down to here, and it was just flipping all over the place. And so I felt real good until, until I got home. I'm carrying my beautiful baby at this point. She was probably about a year. And then she started running her fingers through my hair. And I said, oh, uh-oh, uh-oh, that's not what. What? Because what? my daughter's going to grow up thinking that that's what her hair is supposed to be like. Oh. So the Dominican doobie only lasted... <laughs> A few Whoa, months, Janice. and I went back to natural. Whoa, Janice, I just got chills. You know what? It's crazy that you figured that out in 30 seconds, because that takes a, most people, like I think, a, a longer time to be like, I don't know. I don't know. I like to wear my hair like this, and baby's just going to have to deal, you know? And And everybody has their own way of doing things, and nothing's right or wrong, you know? But you kind of... You nipped that in the bud real quick. I really did. Because she was obsessed with it when I came home. She wouldn't stop touching it. And I was like, What's up with that? Like, she's a baby and obsessed with the straight look before anyone has even said, you know, like, before she's even gotten the media input of being a true. I mean, I, I will say at one, I think she was more obsessed with the way that it felt, right? Because it was so different from what she had felt on my head previously. But you're exactly right in that I didn't want, I knew that that was coming, that that day was coming, right? That day yeah. where she was going to be in school with a lot of girls with straight, silky hair and that she was going to yeah. start asking me questions. And she couldn't ask me that question with me having straight, silky hair because then what was I, I going to say? Right, right, right. So I needed to nip it in the bud before she actually made that connection. Does she ever straighten her hair now as a 12-year-old? She has straightened her hair twice. Twice? Twice? Wow, Janice. Whoa. I'm like. We've done it. She embraces her, her natural. She really does. I honestly think a lot of it has to do with the fact that she has only known me natural. Right? And so that black role model that she's looking up to you know, her hair looks a certain way. So she has, you know, and that, again, that was the reason why I needed to make that shift so quickly. Wow. Yes. There were moments where she would say, I want my hair straight. I want my hair straight. But I knew that that was something that if we started that, you know, if I start, first of all, I didn't want to put heat on her hair too early. I also knew that once we started that, she was going to be asking for it all the time. And so we said, right. okay, you know, when you turn 10 on your big 10th birthday, your big double digit birthday, we'll get a blowout. 
and she did and she loved it and she you know did her little thing (laughs) she was really fine once it kind of shriveled back up she also loves to swim and things like that so you know once she got in the water and things went back to normal she was cool with it she wasn't begging to go back she's also big on protective hairstyles i think that you know she's seen me in braids a lot as well um quite a bit i I just don't have time to do the twist outs or the braid outs braids have been the way to go Um, we love a braid honey listen i got some passion twisting right now i love it braids are fabulous and then you wake up and that's <laughs> it. Right. Um, you touched on something and I think it's so important. You're like, my da- I'm my daughter's role model. So it's kind of on me to a- not appear, but like show up how I-, I want her to feel okay showing up as well. And it makes me think I don't have any children. I don't know if I ever will. I think maybe, I don't know. I- anyway, that's another day. <laughs> another day. But I've been thinking about like, you know, in our industry, Denise, like one day you could be, you know, nobody and literally you're one role away or one job away from like being in um, in the spotlight and I've always thought like well what if you know something happens and and I am in that in that position and I and I'm thinking about my in terms of hair because there is a part of me like I I'm doing this podcast I'm loving everything texture I'm encouraging it but also also though like Black women who want to straighten their hair, wear the weaves, all the wigs, like that is okay too. Absolutely. But I I definitely, for me personally, am encouraging texture and, and how it grows out of our head. And I'm like, I, there's a part of me, Janice, that really, I still love, I'm like trying to burn it out of my system. The straight hair look, it's, it was ingrained in me for so long. And I can't imagine. Say that again. It was ingrained in all of us. Like that's what we're supposed to look like. We'll be right back right after the break. I, I, I'm such a dreamer and I'm thinking like, what if, what if, I was in Michelle Obama's position. Like, obviously that sounds nuts right now, but like, what if I was in, I know, I know that sounds nuts, but just go with me for a second. If, if I was in Michelle Obama's position, would I be able to rock that position with passion twist? (laughs) With tender. And we know the answer to that is no, sadly. Because we haven't gotten to the point as a nation where we accept that, sadly. Sadly. What do we do? Like, there's got to, but there's got to be a way, though. There has to be a way. And somebody, somebody, somebody has to do it. Like, eventually, like some. You're right. So if I, you, you know, you make, you bring up a really great point. If Michelle Obama one day had box braids. Oh my gosh. <laughs> box braids in the White House. There would have been a huge uproar. But then 
maybe everyone would have said, hmm. huh. okay. <laughs> it takes someone to break the mold in, in order for the mold to be broken. Wow. Now, I think that for Black women, there was a period of time where all of a sudden, I think we're still in this stage, right? There was a period of time where all of a sudden, natural hair became in, right? It was the in thing. It was the trendy thing. Um, if you were auditioning for a lot of commercials, your agents wanted, I, I know that you're in this world where your headshot looks one way, yeah, right? Your hair might look a different way for a certain audition and then nobody knows who you are, right? So you're supposed <laughs> to like, keep your hair the way that your headshot is when you get so confused. So anyway, so I remember there's a certain period that I got my headshots done with my big natural hair and I went into an audition with braids and they didn't know who I was, right? They had no idea who I was. My agent got on the phone. She was irate. She was like, where is your big hair? <laughs> That's oh, she was mad with you. She was mad with me. She asked oh. me where my big hair was. She said, that's what they want for the audition. That's why they chose you. Your big hair. You have to have the big hair when Dang. you go to the audition. That's what's in right now. The big hair. I said, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I just got these braids. And these braids cost me $100. So we're going to have to hold off on the commercial auditions for a minute. <laughs> Oh, yes. That was quite some time ago. I don't really, I'm, I'm not as much of an actor. I'm more behind the scenes now um, for some of these reasons that we're talking about, right? In terms of stereotyping with Black people. But I do find that that is a constant struggle for Black women in this business. This is why a lot of people, I have a lot of friends in the business who've cut all their hair off and they just do wigs. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. mad at them because yeah. they can pretty much do any look that anybody wants for them with yeah. the wig. Now, I don't feel like I have a wig face. I've never felt like I've had a wig face. So I've always been really kind of resistant to that. I just have small features. Okay. You know? I'm like, I'm looking at you. I'm like, I don't know. I think you, it, it's easy for me to be like, yes, you do. But I have not actually seen you. I don't know. <laughs> but you look so good whenever I see you. So whatever you're doing, just keep doing that. <laughs> or you can mix it up. You can try it out, honey. <laughs> feel the freedom. <laughs> I'm like I don't know what it takes to have a wig face but I know like when somebody has a wig on you can tell oh you got a wig face but I don't know what it exactly. looks like without you know I don't know what it right. is right I just have always felt like my features are small I don't know I just feel like a wig kind of like swallows me up but it's probably it. that I didn't have the right wigs you know what I mean right right so right there, there's that too um yeah so Touching on this one last time, if Michelle was in, the, she would have to do it in her second term. Their second term, because there's no way that they would get away with that in the first term. The first no, second term, you know? Yeah. And here's the thing. She could, she could do it now. Mm -hmm. She could even do it now. I know that if she wanted not, to, if she wanted to, if she, if yeah. she wanted to, right. Um, because I feel like someone of that stature making that choice makes it okay for other people in that world, right? It, 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 whether it's a Fortune 500 company or whatever, like all right. of my friends who like hold down those kinds of jobs, it's real. forget about it. Wow. 
Wow, that is so real. Someone with that stature, say that again, makes it okay for others? Yeah, it's like normalizing it. Yeah. Okay, wait, wait. What about, this is so random. What about, Do you remember back in the day, it wasn't that long ago, but it was not yesterday, when Beyonce showed up looking at herself in the mirror with like a pixie cut? Do you remember that? I do remember that. It was a real quick I, thing because it wasn't well received. And so she was like, just kidding. <laughs> We're back. <laughs> I do remember that. I do remember that. Well, you know, Let's talk for a moment about weave. Now, when I was growing up, I used to think, oh, you know, that's so ratchet. People shouldn't wear weaves. You should only wear your own hair. And I, for some reason, I there was a differentiation, is that a word, for me between, <laughs> between braids and weave, right? Because I used to think, well, if you're wearing weave, you're acting like that's your hair. Where if you're wearing braids it's obvious that it's not so i think that's kind of the way that i rationalize okay. okay wearing braids often um but then it reached the point where everyone started wearing weave and i'm, I'm talking about like recording artists and things like that everyone was doing weaves and then once our white friends started doing it it's like all of a sudden Oh, the weave thing is okay. Now we all can do weaves. You know what I mean? Um, mm. I found that interesting. Hmm. So now it's kind of like everyone can do it. But for the longest time, I felt like there was a little bit of a stigma for black women when it wasn't your real hair. Interesting. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, because like weaves are so normalized now. I'm like, what? Yeah, everyone got a weave. It's so normalized now. But I'm older than you. And so when I was growing up, it was one of those things like, ooh, she got a weave. That's not your real hair. Is that your real hair? Is that your real hair? Like it was always a big thing. Interesting. And also right now, I just was like, we look the same age. I'm like, oh yeah, black don't crack. I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask. But I'm like, you look so good. I'm like. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Um, I'll take it. You mentioned earlier. People feel now that they can do whatever they want to their hair without judgment. To a yeah. certain extent. You know, as long as. I mean, I think it depends on what your role is, right? We already said that might not work, that might not fly in the White House. But I think Black women more now are embracing just being themselves, doing whatever they want with their hair. And, you know, this is me. Right. This is what I'm hoping for. I'm like, let's keep going that direction. And also, I my biggest hope for the future is that all of our kids are like, natural hair yes and then they don't want anything else that is i just want to see a whole generation of people who knew who know what to do with their curls from the get-go because that's just not how it really was for me growing up so but you, yeah you mentioned earlier about a hair story like that you were i don't want to bring up a traumatizing event but what okay. else do I do want to hear it? I'm so, so sorry. So, so my parents divorced when I was very young. I was six. And so we moved with my father to Michigan. And my mother lived in Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio. And so we would see my mother about once a month. 
but my father didn't really have much experience doing hair. Right. And I have really thick hair, like really thick hair, like to the point where you can't get a comb through it. You can, you just really can't get a comb through it. And so there were nights where my father would just shake his head and say, baby, you, you just got to learn to do your hair. You got to learn or you just going to keep going to school looking like this. He did, a, you know, I would always have a couple pigtails. Sometimes they'd be sticking straight out, but he did, you know, he did what he could do. Now, my mother, who had beautiful, beautiful hair, my mother passed um, a few years ago, but she she had beautiful hair, and Mm. I got my thickness of my hair from my mother. And so every month, we would go to her, um, her place for the weekend, and that would be the time that she would do my hair. So that's when she started. I think I was around eight she started relaxing my hair right so she would put this cream on it to make Mm -hmm. it really really straight and it would burn my scalp every time and because she knew that that was the only way that my father would then be able to manage my hair well every time she was putting this perm in my hair i just found that my hair would continue to fall out and break off Shoot. I don't know if it was if she was leaving it in too long. I, I don't know. I don't know. So it reached a point where she looked at my hair one summer. This is right before I went into sixth grade. And the reason I know how important this age is now is because that's the, the age that my daughter is and the grade that she's in. And so image is so important when you're 12 and you're in the sixth grade. Right. So I went to my mother's house. We also spent the summers with my mother. I was with my mother all summer. And my mother made the decision that she was going to chop off my hair, chop off all the dead ends because she felt like the relaxer had kind of killed the hair, and that she was going to give me a jerry curl. So, Alicia, do you even know what a jerry curl is? I do. I do know what a But tell it for the church family. What is a jerry curl, Janice? is another form of processing the hair um but they curl it in such a way that it always has a curl pattern but in order to uh, get that curl to activate you use what's called activators so after they go through this process of curling your hair in order to keep it curly you put in this uh, this activator that's kind of slimy feeling and you put it all over your hair and if anyone touches your hair, their hand is soaked. <laughs> it looks like it is a wet Jerry, like, which is a funny. Wet, I don't know who invented it. I don't know why. But I will say. My cousin did. You can, your cousin had a Jerry curl? Uh, one my cousin, um, he invented the California curl, oh, <laughs> which is very yeah. That's another story for another day. But I'm just like, yeah, yeah that's a thing. I apologize for your cousin. No, 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 no. This is hair history. This is a real <laughs> ass thing. Yes. So and and my mother actually, my mother rocked a Jerry curl. Um, actually, hers was more wavy. I think what they called it was like a wave nouveau or something like that so it was a different version so it had a little bit more of a wave to it she looked beautiful with it she really did 
But when I was in sixth grade and she cut off all of the processed part of my hair that had like yeah. the relaxed in it, to then take the new growth, we call it the new growth, right? The new growth, everything that's coming in new that doesn't have a process to it. And she put that jerry curl in it. What happened? What happened? I look crazy is what happened. I looked, I looked, oh my, I just looked horrible. I, my whole self-esteem went out the window. My father picked me up from Cleveland. I will never forget the look on his face when he saw my hair. And that told me everything. Dang it. He drove me straight to my best friend's slumber party. Because he was picking me up in time to get me back to Michigan, four hours away from my best friend's slumber party. And they all went. (gasps) I was so embarrassed. I spent that whole sixth grade year. And and the thing is, I refused to put the activator in because I didn't like the slimy feel of it. I didn't like sleeping on a pillow and then waking up and seeing this big, huge, (laughs) greasy, like pit on my pillow. I was so embarrassed by it. And so I just wouldn't put the activator in. And so then that just kind of looked matted and unkempt. I have a question. I have a question and I'm... I don't know, and if I don't know, I'm sure somebody who's listening also doesn't know. So as a black person, a jer- I feel like if our hair is already, the jerry curl, it's not like a, like it makes it curly. And it may, it's a different curl pattern though than our natural curl pattern. Okay. And so, yes, I see what you're saying. I think the difference with the jerry curl is that it made it manageably curly. Got it. Got it. Right, because the jerry curl allowed it, this, and that's what the activator did. It was still silky, but curly. Got it. <laughs> and really and wet. wet. And wet. <laughs> Shoot, man. Okay, so wait. So after sixth grade, you did you let it grow out? What was your hair journey from then to like where you are now? I wore a lot of hats to grow out the curl. And then, like my father said, I learned to just do my own hair. So I did for a while go back to the relaxer because that's kind of what I knew to be really manageable for a period of time. And then right around the time I was in my really early 20s, I said, I'm going to go natural. Um, I don't want to deal with the relaxer anymore. I feel like it's always burning my hair out. I just want to see what it's like to go natural. So actually it was like right around when I was in college is when I started the natural journey. And I'm not going to say it wasn't hard. It was very difficult because like I said, I had such thick hair. And so it was always really, really challenging. Transitioning sucks. Yeah. Going natural sucks. But once you do it, once you're like in it, it's like, okay, but starting it, I think that's universally across the board. Like this. It's going to suck for a little while. It definitely did. It sucked for a while. And so I just did braids the whole time while it sucked. I did braids and then I would take the braids out and, you know, I don't length has always been a thing, right? In the black community, like you look at your white friends whose hair grows super long and you're like, why can't my hair do that? And so length was always something that was really important to me. I actually hated that it was 
but it was always really important to me. I wanted to have enough length to do things with, to put it in a ponytail, to wear it down, to, you know, to just kind of play around with. Um, and so when I was going to this natural, uh, through this natural transition, every time I would get braids, the new growth, you know, I'd have new growth um, on the roots. I'd take the braids out. I'd cut a tiny bit more of the old hair that was still processed. And okay. then I'd, do, I'd braid it up again. I couldn't do, I know a lot of people who do what we call the big chop. And chop it all off at once. I couldn't do it. I yeah. couldn't do it. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you for that. Yeah. I couldn't do it. So it took about a total of about two years to get all of the relaxed, damaged hair cut out of my hair. A lot of patience. A lot of patience. Yeah. We will be right back right after the break. I have a question. This is like completely switching gears, but I am so curious and I want to make sure I ask it while I have you. As an educator, like when you're working with students, how can we integrate hair education into the curriculum? And here's the thing. It's one thing if you're working with all black kids, but I've not grown up around that at all. So like, how can you teach the kids what to do with their wig preps when there's like two black kids? Yeah. Or anything about that, whatever you have to say, I would love to hear. Well, uh, I mean, this is why we have Broadway Buddy, right? So that your mentee can reach out to you and say, Salisha, what do I do? I don't know how to write. Because that's a very hard thing to teach universally to a group of people unless you have people who work specifically with black hair. So what I think is, what I think all musical theater, you know, musical theater is the area that I primarily work in. So what I think that all musical theater programs should have is a hair program where someone comes in and talks to everyone about hair prep, about how to prep your hair for a wig. Um, And you need to make sure that black women are speaking to black girls. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm taking all the notes. When you only have a couple black girls in your program, that's tricky because that's not what, you know, they're looking at, the the whole of the group and you are the minority and so they're not really um okay so like a program i'm like what does this look like realistically for universities for um uh mentorship not mentorship programs but like i'm thinking of what else i don't know dinner theaters any or any type of educational place How is it like, you think it's just a day in the classroom? What should this look like, Janice? I think there should be a hair and makeup program where you can decide what what version of the class you want to take, right? There should be a black hair care and makeup class for people of color because it's just different. It's all so different. But again, would you have enough people in the class 
to make it uh, yeah. to make it worthwhile for the university. I think that's the tricky thing. But I do think it should be offered because it's something that we need. I know that when I first started acting, I didn't know how to do um, a prep for a wig for my hair. I was in this cast of a show called Constant Star, and it was about the life of Ida B. Wells, and it was five black women. And all the women in the cast were my senior by about at least 20 years or so. And they were a phenomenal group of women who took me under their wing and taught me everything about being a black woman in this industry, including how to put on my wig. Because the first wig I put on was literally sitting on top of my head. <laughs> like, I didn't know how to prep. <laughs> I had all this thick hair. I didn't know how, I, I didn't know anything about prepping my hair for a wig. Uh, because in college, they never really put wigs on me. Oh, I, didn't, I wasn't expecting you to say that. Okay, that's real. You know, okay, that's a thing. In college. Um, it might just wow. be that I didn't do the kinds of shows that required that, but it was not a part of my education in college. At I all. love this. Um, thank you for speaking on this, Janice, because I think it's just, it's just so important. And when I think back to my college experience, they did put wigs on me, but they taught me a white girl wig prep. That's, so that's wow. all I knew. And it's like, guess what? <laughs> the wigs are going to sit different. My hair is not that, you know, there's, it. I just needed something that was more tailored to me. And I went into Broadway doing a white girl wig prep and then getting out of the show being like, how come my hair doesn't look like I can go somewhere with exactly. it? Just... Right. Yeah. Because I bet it was also super tangled. Right. Yeah. So if you're doing yes. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's yes. Not it. It's just, that's not it. yeah. Okay. I think this is a great idea. I'm like, there's got to be a way for us to get this into schools because it is so important. It's important. And like you said, something that makes sense, but it might not make sense when you're the kid, like to ask, ask your mentor, how do I do this? I, I didn't even know what I didn't know. Right. When I, right. I was just learning what I saw around me and there wasn't a lot of color around me. So I was just doing what I saw other people do. So, yeah. I, and, but some people do have that knowledge and that confidence. I don't know what the even word is to be like, I don't know. I, I feel like there needs to be a book. Maybe this exists somewhere, but there needs to be a book where it completely breaks down hair prep for theater for black women. So that even if you are not at a school where someone is going to teach that to you, because let's face it, I don't know how often that's going to happen. Yeah. There's a resource that you can go to. Yes. And learn on your own. I, I really think we need that. We, we really need that. What would you call it? You said black hair care, black wig prep for the theater. Black, yeah, black, black, um, black, hmm. Something, um, but with all of those things, it's just something that is basically like, is this you? You'll know what if it is. Exactly. This is the book that you want. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> That's yeah, a great idea. I think, I think we need that. Yes, I, I do that. too. 
Because you're right. It's like, is it realistic for every theater program across America <laughs> to have a black <laughs> hair care program? It sounds like a dream. But it when there's like one black kid in the program, if there's, you know, it's not, it doesn't sound realistic or fiscally like a thing that the college would invest in. Right. Now, we do know, of course, there's tons of things out there um, on YouTube or, you know, and so people people have the information available to them. But I guess what I like about it being a book is because it can feel a little bit like, you know, like a, a curriculum <laughs> for a right. kid who's going through this kind of program. Because um, it's, it's such important information that we don't, that comes for us with more on-the-job training. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Truly. And depending on what job as right. well. Yeah. Because yeah. I was with all black women in this show. And so they were And like, you can learn from them. Yeah. Honey, you can. They, be, they will keep it real with you. Like, yeah. honey, that wig is sitting all on top of your head. Sit <laughs> down. Sit down. <laughs> Truly, like... Janice, I am so grateful for you. Thank you for joining me today. Like you have been a wealth of knowledge and inspiration. Like I feel inspired. I'm like, shoot, I want to write something. Like let's let's do something. Like whatever it takes to get our next generation set up. Yes. Oh, my my camera just froze. I'm so sorry. Um yeah, there we go. All right. Uh, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much um, for joining me. You're so lovely. And I just have so much respect and love for you. Aww. Well, thank you. Thank you for all that you do. You're, you're such an inspiration. Thank you. Says the inspiration. Let's write, listen, let's write the book. Let's get the book. Let's do it. Let's write the freaking book, Janice. <laughs> all right. I'll see you later. All right, bye. Bye. Janice Freeman Clark, everyone. Uh, a hand of applause because she is so inspiring. Um, talking to her makes me feel like I need to give back. I need, I want to serve my community. When I'm in the same room as her, I can feel and see her work ethic and also feel her joy permeating the space. She is a force and has the biggest heart. And it was so nice to sit down with her. You can find her on LinkedIn or Facebook or at the Vanguard Theater Company website. Thank you, Janice, for joining me. Shout out to the Broadway Podcast Network. Love you guys. Shout out to Colin Tabor for editing this episode. Shout out to Wilton Music for producing my theme song, Love COD. And shout out to y'all for listening to Black Hair in the Big Leagues. If you haven't already, leave a review subscribe share with a friend and also slip in my dms at salisha thomas on instagram and let me know what you think ask me questions send some requests and all the things i would love to see them read them hear them all of it and follow us on patreon you can you can donate a dollar honey um shout out to derek Contreras, my number one patreon love you derek and that's all. Thank you guys for listening. This is Black here in the Big Leagues. I'm your host, Salisha Thomas. <laughs> See you next week.
you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.